All right, everybody, welcome. You are seeing and hearing the big, big Barbecue Central show right here on Facebook and on YouTube. I'm Steve Ray, your guest host tonight as Greg and his family are making it back to Cleveland from unknown destinations. I come to you from Ultawa, Tennessee, where I own a real old-fashioned gasoline service station, a barbecue supply store, and I am the primary force on the Owl's Nest Barbecue Competition Team. It's good to be with you. we got a great show lined up for you. You can follow me on Facebook and on Instagram and at Owl's Nest Barbecue and on YouTube as well. Give me a follow, like, and subscribe if you would be so kind to do that. I sure would appreciate it. You know, on tonight's show, you know, it's the hottest thing since the gravity-fed smoker hit the market. And I'm talking about the outdoor wood-fired oven for pizza and outdoor cooking. And tonight, Matt Frampton is in the coveted first segment to talk about wood-fired ovens, wood-fired pizza, and other things cooked inside wood-fired ovens. If you haven't tried it, folks, try it. Get a cheap one, get an expensive one, get one in the middle, but try it. You will love it, especially if you're in a barbecue and if you're in a live fire cooking. There's nothing like cooking on a wood-fired grill. There's just something cool when you're cooking at 900 degrees. In the 935 segment, we'll be joined by the master of Q herself. That's right, the biggest name in barbecue right now, I think nationwide, Leanne Whippin. As most know now, Leanne was crowned master of Q last Thursday as the barbecue brawl Flay versus Simon played out. She defeated Susie Bullock, who was a guest here on Greg's show last week. So you've got the runner-up, and now you've got the champion. Only, only on the Barbecue Central show. And that's Susie Bullock of Hey Grill Hey. Uh, Leanne will give us all the behind-the-scene vantage points and also explain the now-famous whole hog fire that happened and interrupted the judging on the show. And if you have not seen it, the, watching that show is worth seeing the fire in her whole hog pit. It was for a minute there, it was out of control, and they were really sweating it. Uh, in the second hour, the fourth Tuesday of the month brings forth the esteemed embedded correspondent panel of John Solberg from Michigan, David Huff from Oklahoma, and the longest-serving correspondent, Doug Shiding from Texas, and myself, the second longest-serving embedded correspondent, but the most important one. These barbecue gentlemen and I will be discussing barbecue issues on several topics tonight that you won't want to miss, and we'll be opining on a couple different subjects. I think you'll find them interesting if you're into barbecue and the likes of that. All right, tip that away. I got. I got a before before we get mad on. I want. I wanted to share a story with you. Um, there's this. There's this fellow I know. He lives up in Nashville. Named Ken Smith. And I think he's watching tonight. Ken, if you're watching. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in, and I hope you don't mind me telling the story. But if you do, that's okay too. Last week, Ken called me and said he wanted to know if he if I knew anybody that was cooking in the Great American Barbecue Festival in Franklin, Tennessee. And uh, Ken is interested in competition barbecue. He's just 
he's kind of warming up to barbecue and the things that barbecue people do, the different things. And he wanted to get a close-up look, you know, at a team. And so I called my go-to guy, Scott Smith, of Q and Stewing and Brewing down in Ackworth, Georgia. He also owns Southern Q Smokers, where I get my competition smokers from. And I called Scott and I said, hey, Scott, do you know, are you going, first of all, I asked Scott, I said, are you going to cook Nashville? He said, no, I'm going to go to the Pigs and Peaches, whatever that one's called down in Kennesaw. It's a big contest as well. And he said, but you know, I'll tell you who's going to that uh, contest up in Nashville. Paul Keltner of Rooters and Tutors is going to be there. He said, why don't you give him a call? So I gave Paul a call and told him, told him my story, told him about Ken and and asked him if he would if he'd be willing for Ken to meet him, you know, during the comp or after turn ins, you know, yada yada yada. And Ken and and he Paul said he'd be glad to. Without hesitation, everybody. Without hesitation, he said, Yes, I'll be more than happy to meet your friend and give him the the third the the, the nickel tour. So after turn ins, Ken found Paul. And he got the nickel tour of Rooters and Tutors competition trailer and the little one and a little one and a little one on one time about barbecue and they chit chatted and I think they're gonna hook up uh next month, uh September, October, at the Jacks. I know Ken said he wanted to go to the Jack and check it out too. Now, you know, I know I know this doesn't sound like a big deal. And and, and it really it's it's not a big deal. But I'm I'm gonna tell you, it meant the world to Ken Smith from Nashville that Paul would take the, the, even take the time after a competition when you're tired, you have to clean up and show Ken around the trailer. And it didn't take long. They didn't spend hours and hours and hours answering questions, this, that, and the other. But it was a, he, because Ken had a genuine interest in what Paul did, what all competition cooks do. Paul took the time and spent with him, you know, it might be an interest to compete or it might just be an interest of the, being a fan of barbecue. But either way, Paul Keltner and Rooters and Tutors solidified what we all think of each other in competition barbecue. It's fun to win and it's fun to get a call. It? Yeah, that's great. But it's also just fun to compete. And most of all, it's more fun than anything to share the passion of barbecue with someone. So, so Paul Keltner, good for you. I appreciate Rooters and Tutors taking the time to show my friend Ken Smith around your trailer at the uh, barbecue contest last weekend in Franklin, Tennessee. And also to Rooters and Tutors and that whole crew, Paul, congratu congratulations on your fifth place finish in that contest that was stacked head to toe with great teams. Paul Keltner, thank you for from me for helping me out. Thank you for helping Ken out. And thank you more than anything for helping barbecue out and taking your time to be a good guy. And you just can't ask for anything more than that. That's a good story. And I thought we'd start the day off with it. All right. What we're going to do is we are going to take a break real quick. And I'm going to read you this ad as soon as I get my mouse back here. Find that cursor. There we go. Hang on just a second. Just a second.
This portion of the show is brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, and seasonings. They also have barbecue sauce and grilling oils. Folks, I know all about Butcher Barbecue because I sell more Butcher Barbecue than anything in the Owl's Nest Barbecue Supply Store in Little Ottawa, Tennessee. All of Butcher Barbecue products have been tested on the competition circuit as well as backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood and visit ButcherBarbecue.com to stock up now. Always trust your butcher. We'll be right back in just a second with Matt Frampton. And some pizza talk. You there, Matt? Hey, Steve. Okay, hold on. <laughs> All right, there we go. He's in the house. Hold hey, on. how are you? I'm good, Matt. Hold on one second. I've got to do a little screen cleaning here so I can talk to my buddy, Matt. Well, there he is. Can you still hear me, Matt? Yes, sir. How are you? Good Steve? deal. Matt Frampton from the barbecue team, hot on hot, hot grill on grill action, I believe, isn't it, Matt? That's correct. But coming from us for coming to us from what did you say, Nebraska? Omaha, Nebraska. Born and raised. Born and raised. And have you lived there all your life? Not yet. That That's what they, correct. That what they Hopefully, say. a lot of years left to go. <laughs> no, Matt, thank you so much for uh, for um, joining us tonight. You know, when when Greg asked me to host a show, he said, "Who do you want?" And I, and the first thing, the first person that came to my mind was you. And I said, "I want Matt Frampton." I said, "Didn't he the pizza guy?" Greg was, "Yeah." And I said, "Man, Greg, I am into I am into wood fire cooking right now, and I would really like to talk to Matt so I can get some pointers." from you so so through the magic of uh, greg rempe and his contacts here you are and here i am and i'm going to pick your brain a little bit about uh uh wood-fired uh, cooking and pizza cooking and things like that matt if that's okay uh, man, i'm incredibly honored that you uh mentioned that and at the top of the show i i think you nailed it i mean the hottest thing since gravity fed smokers is the wood-fired oven and um it's just an awesome thing to do out back. And uh, I I saw some of Greg's comments when he was sharing the show. I, uh, I've been through plenty of trial and error, mostly error. I'll be happy to share uh, any experience I have with you. And I can't wait to talk about it. Well, tell me, first of all, how did you, how did you get into it? And then I'll, I'll share how I got into it, but it's, um, it's, 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 it's quite a, it's quite a hobby. Yeah, I've been cooking barbecue for about 15 years competitively, and a few years into that, we were on the the barbecue pitmaster show, and that led to some different product 
uh, sponsorships. And one of them was the kettle pizza, which is an insert for the Weber 22. And they sent me one to test out and I credit them for the life changing opportunity to cook pizza in the backyard, like legit wood fired pizza. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you used to have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars and now there are so many options and I think they were one of the first, but you've got uh, really affordable ways where you can cook 900,000 degree pizza right outside your back door. And uh, it's just kind of evolved from there. You know, I was at a friend's house one time. He invited me over and he bought a, um, a tabletop uni that was propane powered. And um, I went out there and I looked at it and I tried to, I was looking at it, trying to figure out how it, you know, how it worked, what have you. And uh, he, we went in there and we made the pizza and uh, put it put it on the, um, what's that thing called? You put it on the... Uh, the pizza peel. Yeah, the peel. Put it in there and and it wasn't 10 seconds. It seemed like, Matt, when that pizza started to bubble and started to get band, get turned and he had to get in there and turn it and he kept turning it, kept turning it. it. Really, he never, that pizza barely sat still more than five or six seconds at a time. And, and I was just watching yeah. and I said, man, this, I said, this isn't only cooking. I said, this takes some talent. And, uh, man, he pulled that thing out of there and Matt, it was perfect. I mean, the, the bottom of the crust was crunchy. The top of it was melted. All the ingredients had flowed together and this was on a propane fired one. And I, and right then I was hooked. I mean, I'm not kidding. I was hooked on this thing. The, the uni cooks a mean pizza. I've got one of those as well. And I have the green mountain insert, um, and the rock box and then, uh, a true wood fired oven. Like I think you just picked up, but at those temperatures, yeah, you can't take too many swigs of beer before you need to start messing with the pizza or get it out. It cooks quick. Yeah, that's for sure. Let's talk about people that have, um, devices already, what they can do to turn their smokers their pellet grills, their green eggs, what they can do with those vessels to cook a uh, an outdoor fired wood fired pizza. Go over those those vessels, and then we'll talk about the uh, the unis and the thors and uh, I think what they call the iphonies or whatever the name of that one is. Yeah, sure. So first of all, if you want to cook at those super high temperatures, you have to have some sort of piece of equipment, but Anyone can go out and cook right on the grate over a bed of coals or over a, a fire on their grill. There's ways to do to grill dough right on there, or you can just add a stone. You just have to bake it at a little lower temperature and for a longer period of time. But in terms of things that you can add to what you already have that maybe enhance your ability to do different styles, particularly the Neapolitan or sometimes referred to as the artisan style pizza. Um, you know, those are cooked at a eight, nine, eight, 900,000 degree temperature range. So for a standard Weber 22, there's an insert made by a company called kettle pizza. It's a stainless steel ring that goes between the base and the lid. Mm-hmm. And then there's a pizza stone with it. And that's the only real true wood fired backyard, um, accessory that I'm aware of. And it's because you can run real logs in the back and you slide pizzas in and out the front of that insert. 
it cooks really well. On the but Weber, you have to know a lot about fire management. On the Weber Smoky yep. Mountain? Or on the uh, kettle? Weber 22 uh, kettle. On the kettle. Oh, okay. Okay. I was, I was confused yeah. for a minute. So you can yeah, load that kettle. one. You can load that one with actually wood, and and use it like a regular wood fired grill, or wood fired. Yeah, grill. correct. Um, yeah, out of my YouTube channel, I have a couple of videos about it. But you basically set down a base of lit charcoal like you would if you're running a side by side pit, mm -hmm. and then you put wood on top of that, and then you just keep the the fire going as long as you want to cook pizzas. And our team has run those at barbecue contests on the Friday nights for many hours on end, uh, you just have to, you know, manage the fire like any other uh, and, cooker where you're using real wood. And, and Matt, does that one cook quick too? Does it reach the high? It does. You can, yeah, you're 900 to a thousand degrees. It's just like the uni. Mm -hmm. You slide, you know, you build your pizza on a peel, you slide it onto the stone and in two, two minutes you have a pizza. It's ready to eat. And, and they're delicious too. What? Um, oh, delicious. What about the Green Mountain? I've heard I've heard uh, Greg talk about it. He cooks uh, his pizzas, I believe, on his Green Mountain pellet smoker. There's a, some sort of an insert that people that have uh, the pellet smokers can get, so they can turn theirs into a pizza oven. And the reason I'm asking yeah, is I'm just trying to get you know yeah, I'm one ahead, of the sorry. people that have you know have all this equipment already home. And I'm saying well, I don't have a wood fired pizza oven. I you know I want to tell them that yeah you can they're they're available for the vessel that you've got. Yep, absolutely. And Green Mountain, I think, is a pioneer for the accessory for the the pellet cooker as well. And um, I'm actually teaching a class tomorrow night on them here in Omaha. But it's an insert that sits right on the fire pot. It uh, The way it's built, it's like a pyramid. So it literally sits directly on the fire pot and all the heat is concentrated within that pyramid, which is all below a stone. And then there's a cover for it. And it's also going to get you the 900 plus degree temperatures to do those Neapolitan style pizzas in a pellet um, smoker. with pellets. Yep. Wow. So you set the green mountain to like 275 to 300 because mm -hmm. the thermostats outside of the oven, it's mm -hmm. a little, it, it doesn't understand that it's 900 degrees in there. So you have to dial it in a little differently, but it cooks amazing. We, last weekend at the Nebraska state fair, we, me and my family, we made, 32 pizzas, handed them out to people, showed them how it works, and oh my. people were amazed. It's a great device. Yeah, Very green, inexpensive, too, if you already, already have a Green Mountain. The Green Mountain, did they sponsor you to, to go out there and do that? Or is this just something? I'm an ambassador for Green Mountain, yeah. and I teach Green Mountain classes. And so I joined our local um, rep uh, and dealer, oh, and cool. he had a booth out there, and, and uh, my family and I cooked for him and the people that walked by. And 32 artisan pizzas. That's a lot of work. Was, it was a blast. Was I it, mean, they cook quick. So. Yeah, they were. They do. Was the dough already? Was the dough already uh, worked out, or did you have to do that too? Because I want to get to that. I brought all my own. I brought all my own homemade dough, and then stretched on site in front of people. Kind of made a show with it, and I have uh, some racks that hold 15 peels a piece. Uh -huh. So I just, as I built dough and pizzas, I sat them there and then cooked them as we could. Oh my! So you're so you're set up in this. When are we going to see uh, hot grill on grill pizza action? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think there's any restaurants in my future, but uh, there are some cool things in the works that I can't wait to share later this year. You know, you, we were talking about that dough. We've um, 
we have a, a, a grocery store chain here in Tennessee called Publix. They're big all over the Southeast. And um, they sell the dough. You know, I guess I guess grocery stores in, in Nebraska sell pizza dough as well. And um, But, Matt, I'm having an awful time learning how to stretch that stuff. You know, I, I, get, I get the dough. I take it home. I leave it out of the refrigerator for, you know, three or four hours. I cut it in half just like, you know, all the videos say to do. And I, I get it in that little ball, but I just can't, I just cannot seem to get it stretched out in, in, in a circle. Is there, I know, I know, you know, we're on, we're not on the video as far as you showing how to do it, but is there something you can share with me? Cause I know other people listening that are interested in pizza. They're having the same trouble as I am getting that thing. And I had to break out and I hate to admit it, but I had to break out the rolling pin and I know everybody just went, <gasps> You know, not the rolling pin. Yeah, the rolling pin. If I want to get, if I if I want to eat, you know, not just fool around with this pizza dough all. What are, what are some tips on getting that thing out there? Because I'm I'm having an awful time. Would it be better if I made my own or cut it thinner? Or what do I need to do? Yeah. So you just that's the number one deterrent from people actually cooking their own pizzas out back, especially with a with a fresh dough. A lot of the store bought stuff. It, so there's a term in pizza dough called hydration and it, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time and nerd out on it, but essentially it's the percentage of water compared to flour. Okay. And you have to have that right percentage in order to stretch dough the right way for the kind of wood fired pizza oven cooking that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the first thing is even if it's store bought, you'll be fine you just need to probably add enough flour, put some flour down on a mat or even right on a granite countertop. I do that. I do that. And the whole goal, perfect. So the whole goal is to start pushing air to the edge of that pizza. And I do have a couple of very short videos on my YouTube channel that show the basics of it, but you, you're working it on that mat and then you, you're, you're turning it slowly while you press out to the edge without crushing the edge. But the key is, Get enough flour on the top and the bottom so it's not sticking to what, what, what it's sitting on or your hands, and then a little bit of cornmeal or semolina flour or something on the peel. And and using a wood peel is going to help you um, instead a, of a metal peel. I'm, using a, it'll slide off of a wood peel much easier than it yeah, will got, on got, metal peel. So whenever I wood you got one of those, yeah, bamboo. Uh, perfect. So I, yeah, that's exactly what I do. I always put on with wood, take off with metal, and yeah, um, it's it's a bit of an art. I mean, it, I, no joke. It take it takes some time to learn, but um, I guarantee anyone who really wants to stick with it, you'll get it figured out, and then it becomes second nature. It's just practice. Did you watch? Like you know, you watch the videos of those guys in Italy and New York. Um, they they it only takes them moments to get that thing flying in the air. And of course, that's the goal to every pizza maker. Is can do you can you throw yours up in the air and twirl it like those guys do? I bet you. Can. I can, but I can't do it with the dough that I like to cook at those super high temperatures. It's too fragile. Mm -hmm. But I can make dough that does that. Um, it just has a higher salt content and less water, and it's more for like the New York pizzerias. Yeah, where you have a you know a, a New York style instead of a, a Neapolitan style. That kind of dough has a pliability and a flexibility to it where it makes a great show. And then some of the some of the pizzerias use trick dough, which is just like five times the amount of salt 
and uh, they're tossing that around, but they're feeding you something different. Mm-hmm. Do you do you make your own dough, Matt? I do, and I I use a sourdough starter that I've had in my home. I've kept it alive for seven years now, and it's like a pet. You feed it regularly, but super easy to take care of. It just eats flour and water, and it grows. And nah, 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 uh, that's that. Explain yeah. how that works, because that that's a new term to me. I've never, I haven't run across <laughs> something alive like it's uh, some Martian movie. Yeah, it's uh, so it's just like a yeast, but um, it's it's a different strain. It's a natural occurring um, culture that. It, it takes on characteristics of wherever it's from. And so if I gave you my starter and you took it to your region and in your house, it would take on different flavors of your area. But it is, um, it is what allows the pizza to uh, ferment and then grow and all the bubbles and everything that you get there. That starter I use in, in place of or in addition to an active dry yeast. Okay, if you don't mind, you know... I'm looking at you like a like a cocker spaniel that can't find his tennis ball. Can you go through it start to finish on how you mix it so I can maybe get a and everybody listening and everybody watching can get an idea of what you're talking about because I'm lost. I'm not a, I just don't bake. I don't know anything about about this, but I want to make my own dough because I think I think I could make a dough that I could stretch better. I just think there's something in that store-bought dough because it doesn't look like what I'm watching on the videos, it, 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 I'm, I'm stretching and I'm, it's, it's coming back. If you know what I'm saying, it's like a, it's like a rubber band. It's elastic. It, I stretch it out, but it comes right back. It's not staying out at all. And I'm thinking that there's something they're doing that I'd like to maybe do. I think I could do it better in my kitchen. So let's do the five step, uh, Matt Frampton, the dough, if you don't mind, if it's not a secret. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, no secrets. So, and I have this out on bbqrevolution.com, by the way, in more detail, but I've I'll got that, and, I've got um, that, uh, I've got that web address up on the screen for everybody watching at home in the uh, left, in the left bottom corner, Barbara. Okay. So I think somewhere on there, you'll see Matt Frampton's ultimate pizza dough. And there's some pretty good detail in there, but um, in a, in a nutshell, uh, what the spring it, issue that you're getting is probably related to not enough water or not enough time proofing before you start stretching. And proofing is the dough sitting on a counter at room temperature for a period of time. Um, and it rises and it becomes more, more, uh, workable. Yeah. You know, I've, I've so done, real quick, my, I've noticed that yep. when I, when I cut that dough ball in two, uh, I put it in two bowls and it like, it, it like it, it doubles in size. Like there's something in there. That's, yeah, that's a good thing. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a good thing because it's it's like that. It's like that um, uh, Star Trek episode Tribbles. The trouble <laughs> with Tribbles, you know, they just kept multiplying, and I'm worried I'm going to turn my back and turn around. I'm going to be overdone with dough balls. And you can't. It'll get big. It'll be like Gremlins, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, your your age Gremlins, yeah, so my age what, Tribbles. <laughs> right, right. So. At a very basic level, what's happening is there's 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 sugars in flour, by the way of carbohydrates, mm-hmm. and yeast becomes awake when you get it wet. So it's not unlike what we're talking about, and the flour and water 
causes the yeast to eat the sugars in the carbohydrates in the flour. Mm-hmm. And the yeast passes off a gas. And that gas gets trapped inside a web of gluten. So this is why so many people have trouble with gluten-free dough. Gluten is the web that you create when you knead dough, which is the the act of massaging it after, to mix the flour, water, and everything together. Mm-hmm. So when that gluten, when you knead it, the gluten breaks down and creates a web that traps the gas from the yeast. It's a yeast byproduct, and that's why it rises in size. Okay. It's a gas trapped in there. Okay. So earlier when I was talking about with your dough, when you start pressing from the middle and you want to work the air out to the outside edges, that's what you're doing is you're pressing that gas to the outside edge. Okay. So for my homemade dough at a very simple level, what I do is I put water in a mixer. I like working with cold filtered water because I don't want it to work too fast. Mm -hmm. And I'll explain why in a second. I know we don't have a ton of time here, but so I take that water, I add yeast and let that set for just a couple of minutes. Then I add flour, half of my flour, and I mix that and I let it set for 20 minutes. Uh Then I add the rest of my flour and salt. Salt is a deterrent from yeast growth, so I want to wait a little while to add that salt. Uh And then I I mix it. And what I do then after I'm done, depending on if I make one or 20 uh, pizzas, I'm planning to make one or 20 pizzas out of that, I ball it up into individual dough balls and I put it into individual containers and I stick it in the fridge for at least overnight, preferably mm-hmm. three nights. Three nights. Yeah. And then it, it actually ferments and it takes on uh, tastes and characteristics that you wouldn't have if you didn't eat. It's called a cold ferment process. And if you don't do that, it just tastes different. If you do do that, I think, Particular th- particularly think it gets better. So now, when now um, when do you put in cold, the, yeah. when do you put in that thing that you're keeping alive? Is that the yeast? Yeah, that's so you can supplement yeast or sourdough starter. And oh, okay, this, okay, they're one and they're just they're different. It's for, not Ford and Chevy. It's kind of like Ford and Maserati. Oh, okay. sourdough starter is going to have a lot more flavor. Okay, sourdough starter. Okay. And you and you'll get some kind of English muffin type characteristics to your dough, a little more chew, mm-hmm. like you would a sourdough bread. Well, that's that's I'm going to try that because I th- I think that I can, I think I can make one better than the grocery store, after a couple tries. Oh, you, I guarantee you can, and I'd be happy to help you get there. All right, so so if I'm out there looking at um, pizza ovens, what? Uh, like, what do you recommend? Like, I'll tell everybody real quick. I've got a, uh, I bought a, a Thor brand. It's made in China. Uh, I bought it off of Amazon. It wasn't terribly expensive. Uh, it was easy to put together. And I've used it four times now. And each time, Matt, it has really performed well. It's staying together. Nothing has broken on it. You know, like, you know, when a lot of times when you get these China made things, they'll break and what, you know, what have you. Uh, but this thing is staying together really nice. And I've been building my fire over to the side and letting it roll up, you know, the side to side. Let the flame roll side to side. Um, that's that's worked for me. What what, do you, what does Matt Frampton recommend for somebody that's looking to get into this hobby? That wants to, you know, we've, that maybe they've done the, the Weber, they've done the, the pellet, 
you know, it's like going from a um, a Weber Smoky Mountain smoker and barbecue. Say you want to go to a, uh, a Southern Q uh, gravity-fed smoker. You know, it, what, what's the what's the equivalent of maybe stepping up on the uh, wood-fired oven? Yeah, there's only there's only two higher ends ovens that I've I've run with experience, and one is a Hearthstone uh, outdoor oven, which is similar to the Thor that you purchased, mm -hmm. and the other is a Woodstone oven, um, which is it's similar, but it also has some different characteristics, like a flame below the stone. Okay, I think it really depends on your price range. Mm -hmm. You know, are you wanting to up into the two or three thousand dollar range, or do you want to get up into the you know, seven to ten thousand dollar range because you can buy some that have gas and wood options. Mm -hmm. So you can run natural gas or propane gas or wood or some combination of gas and wood. Um, and so they vary, but th those are the only two I have experience with. I I don't the one that you have. I I have no doubt that it runs amazing. Um, you know, if you're looking to get into it, I think start smaller, make sure it's something that you're passionate about and love. And if you have a Weber, get a kettle pizza. If you have a Green Mountain, get that insert. If you have a gas grill, they have inserts for those too by kettle pizza, or you can get a standalone like an Uni or a Rockbox. Yeah. Um, there's a little bigger, a little bit bigger portable one called an Adore that ships from Italy. Mm. And it's probably halfway in between that Thor and the Uni. So there's another option. There. Let me ask you this. I it's saw, about a thousand. Uh, I know you've competed at the World Food Championships. Um, they don't have a pizza category, do they? No, nope. But I have begun. I, I was uh, gonna, you know, that's my a, begging. I, I, that's a no-brainer, I think. Um, do you see? Do you see uh, artisan pizza competitions down the uh, down the uh, road? I, you know, here in here in my little town, I like to put together these small contest and uh we, we we do them we have a lot of fun with them um but I, i'm seriously thinking of a, of a pizza contest um i you know i think it would be a great fun do you, do you see them in your future or anywhere around? i i see that i see them in my future for sure i right now they're very industry driven so you have to be a restaurateur or something um outside of the state cook-off association does do pizza ancillary sometimes, but there's not near enough um, for what I think is the market. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you. I think that um, there are pizza competitions in our future. I hope there are a lot of pizza competitions in our future for Matt, backyard and amateurs and, and everyone. You well, know? Matt Frampton, I do too. And I sure appreciate you joining us. Uh, thrilled to death that you're here. And I was so glad that you could, you make it. We'll hook up again uh, sometime soon. And we'll continue this uh, quest of uh, our pizza together. How about that? Yeah, that sounds good. We'll be uh, ambassadors to the to the pizza cooks All right, out Matt. there. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, Matt Frampton, from Hot Grill on Grill Action, and probably one of the greatest pizza people in the country. All right, let's do this real quick before we jump on and find. Leanne, let's do this. Big Papa Smokers. You want better barbecue results? Big Papa Smokers is here to help. With a hand-picked selection of the very best in barbecue supplies, Big Papa Smokers wants to help you achieve barbecue greatness. You'll find everything you need for cooking outdoors 
at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. Big Papa's curated selection of the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies will get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at BigPapaSmokers.com has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Ball, Big Papa himself. From award-winning rubs and sauces to American-made grills and smokers, Big Papa Smokers has everything you need to become a backyard hero. Aside from their premium selection of rubs and sauces, Big Papa Smokers also offers a very best selection of pellet, wood, and charcoal grills and smokers available. If you're looking for the versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out the Mac 2 Star General Pellet Grill. It features innovative pellet smoking technology for a set it and forget it barbecue experience. Not a fan of pellet smokers? <clears throat> Take a look at the old Hickory Picks Pitts Ace BP. It's the charcoal smoker that only Big Papa trusts to put on his competition barbecue trailer. Big Papa Smokers. Coming up next, Leanne Whippin. In just a few moments. Just like magic, there she is. Hey. Direct from Austin, Texas. Austin? Well, just a minute. <laughs> Let me finish. You treat me like you treated Bobby Flay last I Thursday. I like to be in Austin, but. <laughs> direct from Austin from last week, or last, yeah, last Thursday, yeah. coming to us direct from Tampa, Florida, and the Devil Pig Restaurant is. Yeah. No, no, let me, let me move out that gun. Let me move my. Let me do a little housekeeping here. I got a, I got a cover I can move around. Leanne Whippin, the newly crowned Master of Q. Now, now Leanne, I, I know we spoke last week, and and I'm I'm in a quandary, and I don't I don't know which question to ask first. Whether I want to ask the question, has this changed your life, or what the heck happened? with your pig and the fire in the middle of the show. It has not changed my life. I was on the line working today again. Okay, um, that's good. That's good. It, I, I will tell you that there's more people in the restaurant, so that's good. Um, and what happened with the pig that you really don't see on the show is there was a lot of wind that day, mm -hmm. and my pit was actually in front of Susie's, so I was getting all the wind. And when they built the cinder blocks, they kept space between them. And I discovered that after the fact. And so I said, Bobby, we got to cut off the air. And we ended up sticking towels in between the cinder blocks to stop the airflow. So that's why I had a, a fire in there. But did y'all, you, you actually had to pour water on that fire to get it to stop, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, I've had fires, grease fires, and I know, you know, to shut down the oxygen, yeah. but this was beyond that. <laughs> well, that's what, that's what Chris yeah. said on the show. There's only one way to control a fire, and that's to, you know, cut off the oxygen. 
And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah that's great until, but the flames were coming up over the pig's head and yeah, cutting off the oxygen. Wasn't gonna, yeah. And I was away from it. And when I discovered all the flames, the immediate action was water and then shut off the oxygen. So, so that didn't, you know, they didn't show, I don't, I don't know if it's for, for PETA's purposes or whatever. They never really showed good up close pictures of the pigs being cooked. Did that fire damage your pig at all, or did it turn it really black? Or what, uh, what was what was the deal? Humorous because I had like a three gallon jug of water sitting by my station that I immediately ran and just started throwing it on there, mm -hmm. and then shut off the oxygen to it. The face of the pig was totally black, and I wanted to turn in cheek meat in addition to the all parts of the hog. Yeah, and. Uh, Actually, Mo ended up getting some of the cheek meat. He, he took the only bite that was left. Uh, it was protected by the skin, believe it or not, so it was still intact. But it was it was black. The face of it. That's where the fire was mostly. It was in the front. Yeah, that's the only that they just showed that real quickly, and I looked at it and I thought, boy, that's pretty burned. Yeah, it was but pretty. They bad. didn't show the rest of the re rest. When of the, the hog came off, it was drop dead gorgeous. I mean, the top of it was all beautiful mahogany. Mm -hmm. It was just the face that turned black. Now, the, now before we get to the 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 Bobby Flay interaction with you, which was <laughs> hilarious, let's 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 back up a little bit. And when they brought the hogs out, and they go, oh, ho, ho, wow, wow, wow. Um, it was really neat when. You put yours on, you know, the way, way, way most people do, you know, meat yeah. side up. And then Susie put hers on, meat side down. And then when they interviewed you, what did you say? Because that was... I think I said something like, oh, you go ahead and do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to cook it that way. But gosh, if I had done that, it would have been, you know, game over. So I was really lucky that I had the foil underneath the back of it and had it on its back. Did you did you know the night before that y'all were going to be doing whole hog? No. Okay, so there's no way that she could have Googled it overnight and, and or YouTube it. Unless you just assume that that's what they're going to throw at you, which it's a pretty good chance. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't get back till from filming until almost 11.30 the night before. Wow. And they built those pits when we were sleeping. So when we got there in the morning, they were there. Oh. And obviously, when we saw him, we knew what we were doing. But yeah. it, you know, at that point, you're, you know, what are you going to do? Now, had you? Then she said she'd never cooked on a cinder block pit. I've never cooked on a cinder block pit. Apparently, you have though. Well, not really. Um, I've assisted, you know, people. I mean, I know how to, mm -hmm. you know, obviously fire at the either end. You can't have it underneath. Um, so, I mean, I understand fire and how it works, and I understand the pit itself. So. Um, it was okay. And then they had, you know, the coals off to the side, which you need to do to have them hot. And then you can feed it that way with the hot coals. Were you, was your team responsible for feeding the coal, the coal station and keeping the, and, keep, and keeping some embers? Cause I know at one point during the show, I can't remember if it was you or Susie said, Hey, I need some more coals over here. No, they had, they had some guys that were actually putting the coals over there, feeding mm -hmm. them while we were cooking, but we were responsible for feeding the fire underneath the hogs. Yeah. So they couldn't touch that. Well, that that part was a real surprise, but the um, you know that we, we spoke about it last week at the end of uh, episode three. They teased episode four uh -huh. with the whole hog thing, and it showed everybody running around. Yeah, and it looked like it was it looked like it was crazy, and apparently it was. 
It was absolutely chaotic. The judges were sitting there watching us cook and go through the whole process of this, which was different than the first three shows where they weren't there on site the whole time watching. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, when I finally got the fire out, they were like on the edge of their seats and they were like dying. They're like, I was about to have a heart attack. I mean, they, they were really, you know, watching the whole thing go down and it really doesn't show on the show how extreme it was because there wasn't only one fire i had two fires so mm -hmm. and then when you know the shoulders and the hams were not hitting the right temp i knew i wasn't going to make it on time so i sat there by the fire and i just kept feeding it and you could see and feel and hear all the juices just sizzling and the foil i was just waiting for it to break through in like another fire and but that was the only way I was going to get it done, and it worked out. Well, obviously it worked out because you won. But let's talk about the uh, the breakfast, uh -huh. and the then the um, and then the lunch. What did uh, I can't remember what you what did you cook the judges for breakfast? So breakfast, I did potato pancakes with uh, poblanos, and we did the fried eggs. Um, it was a combination. It was really good. And then Bobby's like, don't put the avocado on it. And I ended up putting it on there and I'm glad I did. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of last minute decisions because I had it sitting there and he's like, no, I don't think so. And I ended up throwing it on. Well, and you know, the, the judges, the only, the only thing they could find wrong was, uh, and I don't know if it's just TV egg. or it's true, <laughs> but it was a runny egg. And of course, Bobby Flay was in charge of the eggs. Yeah. And then Michael Simon screwed up, um, uh, yeah, on the, the tortillas, <laughs> so, I believe, yes. Yeah, so the two experts were the ones that screwed up the first round for Susie. But you win the breakfast round. Yes. Which was a big deal. Now, how long how long did you go? Because I know, you know, when you're cooking a pig, I mean, I mean, it takes a long time. There's not a whole lot to do. And I can see them wanting you to do something. So how long did you guys have just to hang out and then until – they, you know, hit, well, hit you, you know, with the, I think we only had five hours to cook the hog and it was around a hundred pounds. And that was tight because by the time you trim the hog, get it injected, you know, do everything you need to do. It, it, it was not a lot of time. It was enough, but you know, I really wanted it to rest for like a half hour and mm -hmm. I got about a 20 minute rest on it. So that was good. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was some free time, you know, to break for lunch or whatever, but you know, those two, you know, you're doing the sides and you're doing the desserts for the finals, too, plus the breakfast and the lunch. So we were pretty well occupied most of the day. And so they came to you and said, all right, we're hungry again. We want lunch. Now, did, <laughs> did, hungry. <laughs> did Bobby Flay and Michael Simon know that they were going to have to do this or did they spring it on them as well? No, it was sprung on all of us. We didn't wow. know. We knew there was going to be sidewinders, but we had no idea what they were going to be. So, mm -hmm. you know, those are 30 minutes, and that's from the time you go to the pantry, you get your ingredients, your prep time, your cook time, your rest time. So 30 minutes flies by. Well, Leanne, that's what I was going to ask. How in the world do you shop, prep, cook, and serve in 30 minutes? That's the challenge. I mean, I but, mean, but I mean... stop the clock. It is, it is game on. You have to really quickly think about what you're going to do and we didn't know ahead of time so it's just part of the whole challenge everybody's at that disadvantage so it is what it is so you turned in for lunch it was uh what was it you turned in burger what was it it was a burger, a burger? and then we did yeah and i did a celery seed slaw and the reason why i did celery seed slaw is because during one of the comps 
uh, somebody did coleslaw and he said, Mo said, oh, I love celery seed. And so I remembered yeah. that and I was like, I've got to hit it hard with celery seed. And then um, we did a chipotle barbecue sauce. We put pepper jack cheese on it, too. So it was a good combination. I certainly didn't think it was going to win it uh, based on, you know, what Susie was doing. But, um, you know, sometimes simple is best. And that was my so the whole time. That's in, what I did. In 30 minutes, you had to cook three burgers. Or did you have to, I guess you had to cook four, one for the photo, right? Yeah, you got to do beauty shots. Yeah. So and, that, and their time in that too, right? The beauty shot has to be included? That's included. It's all included. So the beauty shots get turned in like when you turn in the judge plates. And I had wow. won the digital challenge that morning. So that's why I got to turn in first. That was my oh, okay. win. So I got well, that, that, that just it's, it's, it's unbelievable the things that you can get done in 30 minutes, you and Susie. Um, you know, it was amazing when Michael and Bobby would, 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 would cook against each other in the early episodes, like when they did chicken, you know, Michael Simon spatchcocking a chicken in 45 minutes. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing that they yeah. did what they did in that amount of time. And uh, I guess, I guess you're, you're cooking at ex extreme hot heat, aren't you? Yeah. You it's hot. Well, you've got, you've got an offset and then you've got a kettle and you want to make sure because you have to man those the whole time. They keep coals hot. But you have to say, hey, coals, coals. So you have to make sure that you're maintaining the heat in all of your cookers at all times. So you're ready with, you know, for whatever they're going to throw at you. Because if if my grills were not hot right before that challenge, I wouldn't have made it. So that's part of the strategy, too. You have to keep the cookers hot. Yeah. So did you did you kind of like zone in on one cooker and say, all right, I'm going to make I'm going to make this kettle, uh, this Weber kettle do for everything if I either have to go offset or direct heat? Did you kind of zone in on one? I had them both hot, and then I had a safe zone on the kettle so that, you know, if I needed to move it off to the side. So I had all different zones going, so I was ready with, you know, for whatever they were going to throw at me. All right, let's get to the, the Bobby Flay, Leanne Whippin dynamic, because <laughs> that was, that, that ran all through the show. And, um, you know, it said, you know, they introduced themselves, hey, we're going to be your sous chef. And, right. and I don't think, uh, at least it didn't appear that, that Bobby was prepared to really be a sous chef, which I'm well, not, a, rules, I'm not in that business, were, but yeah, the rules were that you could ask them a question like, should I do this or should, should I do that? But they can't tell you what to do. So mm -hmm. they have to be strictly there to assist you. And, uh, you know, when you're under pressure and, you know, you really want to win this thing, um, you have to put aside who they are and just zone in on what you're doing. And I didn't realize until I saw the show how bossy I was. Oh, you were bossy. Um, I didn't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I also didn't know that he was going to be um, saying things on the side. You know, like I saw it on the show, but I didn't know he said those things. So it was quite funny. So did, was that the first time you saw the series when after oh, since y'all yeah. done it? Yeah, I didn't know how they were going to edit it. I didn't. Yeah, so when y'all didn't it have was a fun, it was fun. That was so y'all didn't time. have a sneak peek preview or anything like that. Nothing, nothing wow. at all. So you were watching it just like like we were. You were just sitting yeah. there going, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, it's interesting. Oh yeah, he was. Um, he was quite. He was quite taken aback by you a couple of times, <laughs> especially the time when I forgot what you were cooking, and you said, "I'm going to make this. You go clean up." <laughs> yeah, that, I just—I don't even remember that actually. So it's kind of funny. Well, well, it, it all worked out for you, and um, 
and, and you're when you are the master of Q. And now you get to do a digital series on Food Network Go. Is that correct? Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's on their Facebook. Actually, um, I've already shot it. It's already. It was up the other day. So oh, there's um, three different shows on there, um, and they actually did a nice job with them. It was done on set in Miami. Actually, is where we filmed it. Oh, okay. So we can go to their Facebook page and find this. Yeah, I believe so. Oh, that's great. I can't. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize it was out. They, yeah. they ought to put that. Man, they ought to pump that up a little bit because I yeah. follow Food Network. Yeah, but we'll but we'll we'll get to that. We'll we'll watch that for sure. So, it didn't change Leanne Whippin's life. Nobody's nobody's contacted you about a series, a a guest spot on NCIS or anything like that. NCIS. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> um, I'm doing you know local TV this week. A couple shows. Yeah. You know, it helps with the restaurant promotion. Um, I did look at the ratings on the show, and I believe the first week it was the number one watched Food Network show, and there's a lot of shows out there. Mm -hmm. And um, also, I think I saw that it was in the top 15 rated of all shows for the four-week period, which is remarkable. Um, so really pleased with the ratings. So I'm glad everyone watched. Thanks for tuning in. Well, Leanne, it, it was really good, and I'm not, I'm not saying that just because you're, you're – on Skype with me. It was very interesting. It was very entertaining. Uh, controversial. Yeah. When, yeah. when um, you know, when Tuffy got let go, everybody was like aghast. You were, oh, you know, like I yeah. said, like I said last week, it looked like somebody just told you that somebody stole your car. You were just, oh, no, Tuffy's gone. Oh, you don't see. I was crying, crying, crying. You know, as I think I said, I don't know if I was crying because I was sad to see him go or happy to see him go. <laughs> One more. <laughs> but I was very emotionally upset over that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you were saying, you're going, man, I got, I got, I beat Tuffy. That road just got easier to, yeah, to get down. Yeah. But, um, but good for you. So, so when people come in now to the deviled pig in Tampa, Florida, um, are there, they say, Hey, can I get a picture? Are they doing the selfie thing? And yeah, they are. They're, they're very sweet and they all say congratulations. Um, I'm really shocked at how many people were actually watching the show. Um, I mean, I would say a good 80% of the people that have been in, even throughout the weekend, all had something to say about it, which is, that's a lot of viewership. So oh, it was yeah. great. Do you, do you get a lot of out-of-towners where your restaurant is? I, know I do. Is. Um, it's, it's getting better. Um, I mean, I had people that drove a few hours today that came in. People come in from Orlando. Um of course, you know, we have the, all the Tampa people, but mm -hmm. uh, people are driving to come to the restaurant. It's great. Well, well, well good for you. Uh, that, that's the way it should. It should help you, and that's why you, you do it, to promote sure. yourself. But, you know, did, did, did this happen when you were years and years and years ago, when you were at Wood Chicks and during the barbecue pit masters phenomenon? Did that happen there as well? Yes, when I did the throwdown with Bobby Flay, Every time they aired the show, I had a line out the door. Uh, Pit Masters was huge. Um, anything like that helps. Sure, it's great for business. Oh, absolutely. Now, what, yeah. um, what, um, what, what do you see? Is this is this show? Uh, are they going to try to do this every year? Is this a uh, like a commitment show? Like we need to do this? Um, you know, with a whole new group. 
Of, no, uh, this was not. It wasn't discussed what's going on further, but they did call this first season. So in yeah. my eyes, if the viewership is there, and you know, it's all about sponsors and everything else, that um, I would assume that they would have another season of it. But you know, nothing was discussed. But that's just my. You know, I would expect they would. Well, I mean, I mean, the, the fact that Bobby Flay was there and Michael Simon were there together. I mean, they're the two, uh, you that know, at the, on, the, on the Food Network, you know, totem pole. They're at the top of it. <laughs> sure. And they're very um, entertaining, too. Yeah. And, they're, and they're very funny. Exactly yeah. right. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I thought it showed a real a real side of Bobby Flay. I've always liked his humor. He's very yeah. uh, it's, it's almost a sarcastic humor. Yeah. And. uh and but the, the two of you interacted was was I'm telling you was television gold. <laughs> it, it was TV gold, and I and I guarantee the producers loved it. And, and, and especially now that we know that it was real, and you didn't even really know you were talking to him like that. Yeah, but, no, I didn't, and I didn't know what he was saying. So that made it. It made it. I mean, I when I saw it, I was I was laughing a lot, and I I, I said to myself, I wonder if other people think this is funny because I thought it was funny. <laughs> you didn't call him and apologize, did you? Say, hey, Bobby. no, no, no. <laughs> or hit him no. up on Twitter, hey, Bobby, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a real, I was a real turkey, and I'm sorry that. <laughs> Sorry, I was mean to you. Your family. We, we had all all four of us had such a great time. I mean, Susie was a blast to work with. Um, it was great to know, you know, get to know her, and you know, she was a great, super great competitor. I mean, it was really neck and neck the whole time. Um, you know, she deserved to be there, even though she hadn't done a whole lot of competition. So it was. I thought it was perfect, actually, and two women. You know, that's nice. Yeah, that's that's real nice, and uh, th three women in the final. Yeah. So that was, uh, I mean, I there's no no doubt in my mind that Lene is so talented too. I mean, everybody there on the show was, and you know, there's a ton of pitmasters out there that could have been on the show. It's just, you know, we were we were just lucky, I guess. I don't know. It all worked out. Well, I think I think you've got to be more than just a, a barbecue guy, though, or a girl. Leanne, because the things that you were turning in, that was, I mean, that were that was good stuff. I know that you know a lot of the guys I hang out with. If it if it goes past it, the pulling a pulled pork, test your ability when you're doing sides, and you know, um, it helps that I've done a lot of competitions, um, you know, on TV, but also with the time constraints and you know, working with pantries. That's a whole that's a whole different ball game because there's so many ingredients in there and. You know, the first show is the hardest because you don't know where anything is. At least the second, third show, everything's kind of in the same area. Mm -hmm. So you know where to go and it cuts back on your time. But the first day in the pantry is a nightmare. I mean, you just don't even know the spices. There's just hundreds of spices. And, you know, you're trying to see if it's alphabetical or whatever. And and when they have limited quantities in there, you know, if somebody grabs, I, I remember, you know, like with the carrot thing. I got the only carrots, and so if somebody else was thinking carrots, they aren't going to get the carrots because I already got them. So you have somebody to was looking for a pineapple and pineapple, yeah. yeah, but they had quite a few pineapples. But um, you know, and even when I did the mango um, salsa, I didn't know till I saw the mangoes in there that I was going to do that. That was not a plan. It was just I started going through the pantry, and it just hit me: just grab this, grab that. Well, a lot you, of pressure. you you did great. You won. Uh, Susie Bullock was fantastic. Every everybody on the everybody on the show, from Joe Pierce to Big Kev, from the from day from episode one, it was very very entertaining, and that's 
the reason we watch television. The number one reason is to be entertained. And oh, yeah, Phil the Grill. Oh, he is so funny. And oh, yeah. I wanted that you don't see it on the show, but at one point he's talking to his food. He's having a conversation with his food. Like, you know, oh, just come together, do this for me. And I'm like, what are you doing, Phil? And he's, you know, it, it's just, there's so much filmed and you don't see a lot of the funny things that happen. But um, yeah, Phil was a riot because he was next to me most of the time, yeah. and so it was really fun cooking next to him. Well, he was Phil. And Phil was in his he was in his zen, man. He was he was yeah. he was in his zen. Like when Mo Kason cooks a brisket, he always says, "Man, that's my zen. I'm in. I'm in it." Yeah. When, when but I'm putting he's that brisket fun on, fun with it, and that's the whole thing. You know, everyone there was. Um, Nobody was, I don't know, arrogant or anything like that. Everyone was just really having a good time and, you know, just just doing it. It was great. Well, you did great. Now, uh, let's say six months down the road. Let's see. This is August. February is right around the corner, and that's when they film it. Um, if they if they, if the phone rings at the Devil Pig and say, uh, uh, is Leanne there? Here I am. Hey, Leanne, this is Bobby Flay. Bobby, how you doing? Good. <laughs> Um, would you mind coming back and being a judge on the uh, next season? What does what does Leanne Whippin say? Of course. <laughs> I mean, I'm always competing. I'd love to be a judge one of these days. You know, especially tasting everyone's food it takes a little bit of the pressure off. Although competitions in my blood. I mean, that's what I like to do. So even if I were judging, I'd be really wanting deep down inside to compete. I mean, let's, that's just my thing. Let's see. You know, I could, I could see, I could see you and Myron Mixon and who would be another, a, a third judge. And then this time you could make Myron cry. Uh, like he made uh, you no, cry. and Myron says there's no tears in barbecue. Oh, no. I mean, he always says that to me. It seems like I'm always crying for some reason. Well, so. that would be that would be a good dynamic, and I can't think. We'll have to give that some thought on who the the third person uh, yeah. would be. That would be you. You two well, would Myron, be great. Myron is always entertaining. That's for sure. Absolutely, Leanne Whippin. Thank you so much for Thanks, being Steve. on the Barbecue Central show. We sure enjoy it. And I'm going to go, I'm going to, tomorrow when I get to work, I'm going to look up uh, Food Network Go and check out your digital series. Please do. And uh, a shout out to Greg. Hope he's having a safe travel back from Chicago. And uh, you did a great job standing in for him. Well, thanks a lot, Leanne. I appreciate that very much. We'll see you soon. Okay, Leanne Whippin, the master Ooh. of Q from Food Network. Let's get that screen off of there. Let's see what I can do here real quick. All right. We're going to read a... An advertisement here. Let's go to this screen right there. Hang on just a second. I know I'm not as smooth as Greg, but that's okay. This part of the show has been brought to you by cookingpellets.com. That's right, cookingpellets.com. Your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. Visit cookingpellets.com for more information or to purchase... You can also visit Amazon.com to purchase them as well. Also, Heartful Hardware bringing you this part of the Barbecue Central Show, the Grill Fest 29, 2019 rather. Grill Fest 2019 at Hartfield Hardware, the world's largest hardware store in Hartfield, Ohio. Come to the country's largest hardware store and take part in the fourth annual Hartfield Hardware Grill Fest. Greg Rempe will be your MC for the day. The fun starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. 
September the 21st, 10 to 4. Great live fire section of the store with multiple brands. Many accessories will be available on sale as well. There'll be live demonstrations during the day. Representing Traeger Grills, the one and only Diva Q, Danielle Bennett. And Weber will be there represented. And the Big Green Egg will be represented by Lisa Delgado, the local Cleveland chef. She cooks for Cleveland Browns. And as Greg says, other rich folks as well. That's the Hartfield Hardwell Hardware. That's hard to say. Hartfield Hardware Grill Fest 2019 on September the 21st. We'll be right back after this short break with the Embedded Correspondent. So stay with us.